decorate your car trunk or set up a little booth or a game or something with that, there's a sign-up list in the foyer, and you can kind of write down your name and kind of what you're planning on doing. If you can't participate in that, we need your help with candy donations. We need lots of candy, because I promised the people that are decorating their car that we'll provide them free candy. So we need lots of candy donated. If you can buy candy, you can stick it there in the Fellowship Hall kitchen, and we'll make sure it goes to the right place. Um, one thing that I've tried to always do with my children, and there's some nights that I, I don't do it, is I, I say a prayer with them before they go to bed. Um, as they get older and our lives get more hectic, it, it's sad to say that sometimes I don't do that as much as I should. But praying with my children, oftentimes there are certain things that I would repeat in prayer, and I still repeat in prayer with them on a daily basis. Usually it's something along the lines of that they'll grow up to to be faithful um, and healthy, and that they'll marry a Christian. It's kind of what we would pray. And I'd pray that over and over with them. I've had to rethink how I articulate one of those lines in my prayers with them recently. And it happened the other day, I was at the gas station, and I don't know how it came up, but we have the greatest conversations at the gas station. Roman leans over and asks me, he says, hey dad, what if I don't want to get married? That was his question, what if I don't want to get married? And I was like, well, that's fine. You, you don't have to get married. You can be single your whole life. You can follow God that way. Nothing in the Bible says you have to, you know, choose a married life. That, that's fine. But the reason I think that he was asking that question is because in the prayers that we would always pray, I started with the assumption that he was getting married, so I needed to pray that he married a Christian. So now I said, if they choose to get married, that they marry a Christian. I've changed the way that I've articulated it in, in my prayers. But that question what if I don't want to get married, although it seems like a childish question, you know, for, from a child, eh, that's a fair question. If everybody's always telling you, well, you get older, you get married, you grow up, you get married, what if you don't want to, right? I mean, that's a, that's a fair question. Well, a question like that about what if I don't want to get married is actually an old question. That same question was going on in the first century. And what I want us to do this morning is we're going to continue our study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Remember, um, we didn't do it last week because of the youth form, but what we've been doing is we've been trying to better understand this magnificent letter written by the Apostle Paul to Christians in a city of Corinth. And remember, the main issue in the Corinthian church that Paul's dealing with is selfishness. And the idea that he keeps trying to get across to them is that selfishness causes division and it destroys their church. It's going to. So Paul writes this letter to them to try to stop selfish division. He heard that it was going on in the congregation. The congregation is very divided. So Paul tries to help them overcome that division. And then number two, in this book, he answers questions that they had that were causing division. And every time Paul answers a new question in this book, there's a certain phrase that he uses. And I hope you underline these in your Bible, by the way. Key word searches and key phrases help you understand the book. Well, over and over again, in the book of 1 Corinthians, he uses a phrase, now concerning. And every time he uses that phrase, now concerning, it's a textual marker in which he's now going to introduce a new question. So think of it this way. The Corinthians had sent Paul a bunch of questions that were causing division in their churches, and Paul writes back to them and says, here's how you can answer these questions, is what he's doing. Well, now, we, you know, several years, um, centuries removed from him, we can now look back at how Paul answered these controversial questions, and we can learn from them even today. Well, the question that they had asked Paul really was kind of a question similar to what Roman had asked me. 
they had asked Paul a question along the lines of, do I have to remain single? That was the question that they were asking Paul. But before we get into that question, I want us to think about that question just for a second because I think it's phrased wrong. I think it's phrased in a way that we often phrase many of our questions, and it's a very childish, juvenile way of thinking. See, I think we ask God the wrong questions, or at least we ask God questions the wrong way. The questions that we usually ask God are something along the lines of, do I have to? Just like what Roman asked me, do I have to do this? If you're asking God, do I have to, there's a problem with your question. Asking God, do I have to, is similar to us asking God, well, is it a sin? You wouldn't be, you'd be surprised how many times people will, will email me, text me, call me up and say, hey Cliff, is it a sin to do whatever it is? And I think sometimes that question is flawed. Now I know we should seek God's will and we should want to know what's right and what is wrong, but asking the question, is it a sin, is childish in the sense that when you're asking, is it a sin, you're basically asking, will I get in trouble, Right? And there's actually a book that I read my kids growing up, and I brought it with me. David Gets in Trouble. And I would read this book to my kids growing up, and this question of, is it a sin, reminds me of David Gets in Trouble. So I'm going to share with you this book just for a second. You'll see why I'm doing this. But here's the book. It goes on. It says, David Gets in Trouble. When David gets in trouble, he always says, no, it's not my fault. I didn't mean to. It was an accident. Do I have to? See, little David, we expect him to ask the question, do I have to? Because he's a child. But the question, do I have to, is really a childish question. Do I have to? Will I get in trouble? It's not the kind of questions that God wants us to ask. He wants us to ask a little bit more mature questions. So this morning, I want to encourage us to ask grown-up questions, okay? Childish questions are, do I have to? Is it right? Is it wrong? Grown-up questions are, is it a good idea? See, that's the kind of questions that mature Christians need to ask. Is it a good idea? Or maybe even more pointed, will it help me accomplish God's will? So this morning, main idea of our lesson that I want us to, to get across from the book of 1 Corinthians is we need to learn to unselfishly choose What will help us accomplish God's will? Instead of asking, do I have to or will I get in trouble, let's not think about ourselves and let's unselfishly choose whatever before us. Ask the question, will it help me accomplish God's will? And this is what Paul has been trying to get the Corinthians to understand throughout this book. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23, he wants them to understand, even in that whole discussion about personal liberty, he says, all things are lawful. It's not a matter of right or wrong, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. So it's not always a a matter of right or wrong. It's a matter of, is it a good idea? Well, that's where the book of 1 Corinthians, specifically chapter 7, takes us then this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 25, Paul's going to answer a question that they were asking, and really they were kind of asking the wrong question, and he's going to correct them in this regard. But as we walk through this text, although he's going to deal specifically with marriage and getting married and widows getting married, 
in the back of our mind, we need to be asking the right questions. Not, is it right, is it wrong, but will it help me accomplish God's will? I hope you brought a Bible with you. If you didn't, pull one up on your phone or get one out of the pew back in front of you, because we're going to walk through the text here. I, and if you did bring your Bible, I'd encourage you to maybe underline a few key phrases as we walk through this text and better understand what Paul is trying to get across, this idea of unselfishly choosing the choice that's going to help us better accomplish God's will. So let's work together here. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul has just answered some questions about marriage and divorce that they had, remember? They had asked some questions about, um, you know, fornication. He says, look, you need, if you're going to, you know, commit sexual morality, you need to get married because the sexual relationship is only supposed to happen there within marriage, and you're supposed to meet one another's needs in that marriage. You're not supposed to run off with someone else, and all of that he dealt with earlier in this chapter. Well, then in chapter 7, in verse 25, he answers another question that they had. We have our key phrase. He says, now concerning. He says, now concerning virgins. Now, your Bible might say maidens or the unmarried. Uh, the word virgin here that he's using, a young unmarried woman. Okay, as we're talking, we might use like a maiden type terminology here. He says, I'm one. so now concerning virgins, the questions that you have asked me about the unmarried. He says, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion by one, by the mercy of God, of the Lord, that is trustworthy. So he says, look, Jesus didn't give a specific teaching on this, but I'm going to give you an opinion that I think is divinely orchestrated. It comes from, you know, God's will. So he's going to give you a good opinion. So right off the bat, he tells you, look, it's not a matter of book, chapter, verse on this, but I'm going to give you a divinely guided apostolic opinion here and when Paul gives an opinion we should listen to what he has to say and he says and I believe I have you know I'm trustworthy in what I'm offering you verse 26 he says I think then that it is good in view of the present distress I'd underline that phrase in your Bible or circle it because it sets the tone for this section he says I think that this is good in view of the present distress that it is good for a man to remain as he is so the question they were asking Paul, they're saying, Paul, should I let my daughter get married or not? Now, you might think, well, not the guy's choice. What is he thinking? Well, back then, parental involvement in a marriage ceremony was a big deal. They had to have the father's blessing to get married and all that. And a father could choose to give his daughter away in marriage or choose not to. So here's the conflict. The conflict was, well, should dad let his daughter get married? And here's what Paul tells him. He gives them an opinion here, but it's an opinion that's in view of the present distress. There's persecution going on. It's hard to be a Christian. There's people that are dying for their faith. There's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of issues going on. They're, they're living in a time frame where it's scary to be a Christian. So Paul says, in view of the present distress, because of all the mess that's out there right now, he says, I think it's good for a person to remain as he is. Paul says, my opinion is, right now it's not a good idea to get married. Now, I imagine that wasn't a, pop, a popular opinion, right? I mean, it was springtime wedding season or something like that, I don't know, but everybody was talking about marriages, and Paul says, you know what, maybe it's a good idea not to get married. You know, it'd be like we go to the bridal show at the Holiday Inn and go, I got some advice for all y'all, how about you don't get married, save some money, right? I mean, it wouldn't go over real well. So Paul says, in view of the present distress, I think it'd be smart for you to remain as he is. He goes, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, he goes, but if you choose to get married, you have not sinned. He goes, look, if you choose to get married right now, you have not sinned, but it might not be a good idea. 
He goes, if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Then notice, here's another phrase you should underline here. He says, yet such will have trouble in this life, and I'm trying to spare you. Now you're thinking, Paul, you have a real negative view of marriage. He doesn't. Paul thinks very highly of marriage. Ephesians chapter 5, he elevates marriage up there. He, he loves marriage. He thinks it's a good thing. But in Corinth, at that time, Paul says, it might not be a good idea to get married right now. Have you ever given somebody that advice? You go, look, I think you guys are great for one another, but maybe you need to get a job first, right? It's not a good time to maybe get married. That's what Paul's doing here. He says, look, there's this distress going on. I'm cautioning you. I don't want you to have trouble. So if I prefer you not to get married, but if you choose to get married, you haven't sinned. I'm just trying to protect you. Have you ever said that as a parent? Or as someone who cares about someone else, look, I'm not saying that what you're doing is wrong. I'm just trying to protect you from a bad choice, right? That's what Paul is saying right here. Then he goes on, verse 29. But I say this, brethren, that time has been shortened so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they have none, and those who weep as those who did not weep, and those who rejoice as those who did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess, and of those who make use of the world as though they did not make full use of it. For the form of this world is passing away. Paul says, look, you need to get your mindset straight. Because look at verse 32. Another phrase you should underline. But I want you to be free from concern. Paul says, I'm just giving you some practical advice. I know your daughter wants to get married. I know you want to get married. But right now, he says, I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. His interests are divided. He goes, look, if you're worried about your life right now because people are killing Christians and now you're married, is it going to make it easier for you to stay faithful to God or harder? I mean, I'm willing to sacrifice my own life for the cause of Christ, but if, you, if you've threatened my wife, I might bow down to Caesar in order to save my wife's life, right? He says, your interests are now divided a little bit. It's harder to see a loved one suffer, right? So Paul says, maybe right now it's best to not get married. He's not saying that's an eternal, you know, statement of it's always better to not get married. No, but in that present situation, Paul says, it's not a good idea, which is, this shows how practical and relevant the Bible is in certain situations, doesn't it? This is real people with real issues. This isn't just some just flowery, you know, letter about marriage. No, it's, hey, here's what you're going through. Here's some good advice right now. Here's some premarital counseling for you. Maybe right now, because of the present distress, because of all these issues going on in our community, it might not be best to plan a wedding right now. He goes on in verse 34. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin who is concerned about the things of the Lord, she may both be holy in body and in spirit, but the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Again, your interests are divided. Your priorities now maybe are, are, are divided. It's a lot harder to be faithful in the middle of persecution when you're worried about your spouse. Then another key phrase in verse 35. He says, this I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Because imagine this, this letter is being read in a church in Corinth. And everybody's like, well, is it right or wrong for me to get married? Paul says, look, I'm saying this for your own benefit. Don't ask the will I get in trouble question, Davy. right? It's not that question. It's, it's ask the growing up question. Is this a good idea? Paul says, right now, it's not. He goes, I'm not trying to 
bind something on you. I'm just trying to give you good advice. You know, a couple might come by my office and say, we want to get married. And I'll say, well, have you thought about the fact that you, you know, right now don't have a way to pay your bills and your life's in turmoil and you got this. Maybe you should wait a few months. They're like, well, you're saying we shouldn't get married. I'm not saying you shouldn't get married. I'm not saying you're sinning by not getting married. I'm saying maybe you should think about this. That's what Paul is doing here. He's trying to get them to think a little bit more maturely in how they're approaching this situation. Then he goes on, verse 36. If any man thinks he's acting unbecomingly toward his virgin daughter, and if she has passed her youth, and if it must be so, let him do with her as he wishes. He does not sin. Let her marry. So dad is over here with his daughter, and his daughter says, look, dad, I'm getting old. I want to get married. You better let me get married right now. Paul says, you can let her get married. You're not sinning in doing so. I'm just telling you that it's not the good idea right now because you can imagine as this is being read in a congregation, there's a daughter over here who's planning a wedding, giving her dad a dirty look, saying, I don't think so, we're not following that. You, know, can, you can see the reality of all this. And then verse 37, but he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will and has decided in his own heart to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. So then he who gives his own virgin daughter a marriage does well, and he who does not give her a marriage will do better. He goes, look, you can do whatever you want. I'm just telling you what's a better choice right now. Remember we talked about asking grown-up questions? A childish question is, is it right or is it wrong? A grown-up question, a mature question is, what choice is better? That's what Paul is saying here. He says, I'm giving you a path towards something better. Now, this might not be a better choice in every situation. It's a better choice for them right there. So don't think that Paul's telling you that, well, in the year 2019 in Visalia, California, it's better to not get married. Every situation's different. Talk to wise people. Ask them what's a better choice depending on your situation. Then he goes on, verse 39. He says, a wife is bound to her husband as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I also have the spirit of God. So Paul says, look, I'll throw one more instance here that you need to think of in this present distress. If you have a widow now whose spouse has died, she should even think about remaining unmarried. She doesn't have to get remarried right now. He goes, but if she does... Do it in the Lord. Marry a Christian. Why would you in the midst of persecution marry a non-Christian? That just seems foolish. Paul says, and I'm offering you my opinion here, but I think my opinion is also supported by the Spirit of God. So now all that being said, I think we ask the wrong question sometimes. We want God to give us a yes, no, right, wrong to every situation. In Corinth here in chapter 7, we see that, wait a second, there wasn't necessarily a right or wrong here with this issue. It wasn't a matter of sin or not sin. It was a matter of, is it a good idea or a bad idea, depending on the situation that you're in. We as mature believers need to learn to unselfishly choose what will help us accomplish God's will. In every situation, ask ourselves, what is the better choice? Not, is it right? Not, is it wrong? Will I go to hell for it? Not that question. No. Will it help me accomplish God's will? See, if we're always just asking, well, is it right or wrong? We're like, David gets in trouble. We don't want to be like him, right? That's a baby. That's a child. That's how he's supposed to act. But we're supposed to be grown-ups. We don't ask childish questions. 
So let me hit home then with all of us. What decisions are in front of us? What decisions are we making right now in our life? Decisions about family, decisions about relationships, decisions about money, decisions about careers, decisions about retirement, decisions about all sorts of different things. All of us have choices in front of us all the time. Instead of just asking, well, what's right and what's wrong, ask yourself, what is the better choice? Ask the right questions before you choose. Ask, will my decision in this choice help me follow God or will it hurt me in following God? You know, someone might say, well, should I move or take this job? I'll say, will it help you follow God or not? Well, should I go off to this school or that school? Will it help you follow, follow God or not? Should I take this job or this promotion? Will it help you follow God? Should I enter into a relationship with this person? Will it help you follow God? What choices we make in life, every choice we make in life, isn't always a matter of right or wrong, but they do have consequences. And a mature way of approaching all choices is not, will I get in trouble, but will I be able to better serve God if I make this choice? So the lesson for all of us today is simply, let's put God first. Let's put serving Him in His will first. And let's not look for, you know, easy way out. Let's not look for loopholes. Well, He didn't say it's wrong. No. Will it help me follow God? Paul spends a whole lot of space here in the book of 1 Corinthians dealing with issues that weren't a matter of right or wrong, but it's a matter of what is the better choice. Our theme at Bible camp this year was actually better. And we talked to the teens and the kids are about being better, making better choices. That hits all of us as adults too. We can always do better. We can always be better. We can always choose the better path this morning choose that better path. In just a moment, Greg's going to get up here and lead us in our invitation song. It is our, our custom to give you an opportunity to respond publicly if you'd like to. If you'd like to become a Christian this morning and start down the best path, you can do that this morning by being baptized into Jesus Christ. If you've strayed, you know, away and you need to come back and you need help being better, we're here to help you be better. We'll pray with you. We'll study with you. We'll do whatever we can to help you be restored. If you have a need, why don't you come as we stand and sing?